Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrives at episode number 358. No matter where you go, there's no escaping the smooth jazz. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty well. Very well. Feeling very festive today. Very festive. Why is that? I got some decorating done this weekend. We decorated upstairs yesterday, got the tree up, got all the uh, festive Christmas decorations upstairs done, and then tonight, Mason and I put the tree, well, mostly Mason, put up the tree downstairs and then decorated the room downstairs as well, so. I, too, did a large portion of that. Mel, we had uh, family were obviously for Thanksgiving, and Mel cleaned. She did that deep Oh my God, people are coming over clean. (laughs) Not that I'll admit to that, but we did that. And so she had everything dusted and wiped down and, you know, move things that don't normally get moved in order to clean. And I was like, nobody's going to see that because if we don't move it, they're not going to come over and move it. But okay, whatever. (laughs) So so we did all that. And then um, she went running out with Corey to go early Black Friday shopping, which is their tradition, even though I try to stop them. Um, so we had uh, we had Katrina, and I was like, well, let's start decorating. <laughs> so we, we went and pulled all the boxes up from the basement and took all the stuff she had just dusted and boxed it up <laughs> so that we could start putting that Christmas stuff. I was like, well, you made a spot for it, so here we go. We got that done uh, Thursday, most Thursday, and then it kind of bled over into Saturday. Friday, we went to the Kansas City Zoo and uh, had a great time. It was a beautiful day for it, and Cheyenne stayed awake for all of it. We figured she'd zone out and sleep in the stroller for parts of it. No, she was there for all of it, and Katrina had a good time, and we just, we looked at everything. So we had a really long day Friday. And we finished decorating uh, Saturday and uh, watched, I don't know, all of the movies. I feel like it was just a constant grab, because I brought the whole, I, I have a list of all the Christmas movies that I own and all the Christmas-ish movies that I own and all of the TV shows that feature a Christmas episode. I made a list last year. And so I grabbed all of them off the shelf so that way I know I'm not missing any of them. I brought them all up and we just had them in the player all day long while we were finishing our decorating and then we would break and play games and we'd have stuff on in the background. And I still hate Nightmare Before Christmas. I don't like that. (laughs) We went up to uh, Denver to see my sister for Thanksgiving. How did that go? It went pretty good. Wednesday we left... And Jimma did pretty good in the car. She took quite a few naps and fussed a couple of times. And then we obviously had Thanksgiving and kind of just relaxed and did some shopping on Friday. Not Black Friday shopping, mostly just wandering around downtown. And then went to a mall on, or not really a mall, more like a, kind of like a Legends type area. Anything else? I don't think so. Let's move on to news. Nothing happened this week. Absolutely nothing of any interest. (laughs) Especially if you're a Tom Baker fan. <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah, that's our first bit of news. Uh, so they've announced that Tom Baker put the costume back on and refilmed a new section for Shada. <laughs> which I believe just came out in the UK. Yes, it did. I think it dropped on Thursday, didn't it? I think, I think so. Thursday or probably Friday, I think I saw. Was it Friday? Okay. I can't remember. One of the days. So when it comes out in January, we'll get to uh, take a look and see. Just got to put that on the schedule then, huh? (laughs) Yes. Well, this article says November or December 4th. 
Oh, is it? For the U.S. release? No, for the U.S. is January. For the U.K. Although the Blu-ray is region free. <laughs> None of the rest of my who Well, that's not true because my newer seasons are in Blu-ray. So. That's pretty exciting. Plus, you already have a shot on DVD, so you can have right, a shot yeah, on Blu-ray. <laughs> Um, I obviously, you know, we've, we've reported on Shada, we've reviewed Shada and I was kind of like, okay, cool. It's coming out finally and, and animated and this will be, this will be, this will be great. This will be fun. But I, I wasn't like beside myself excited for it. Now I'm beside myself excited for it. <laughs> and that sounds really bad, but just the fact for a little that, cameo scene. Cause I'm sure it's, it's, it's a nothing. It's going to be all of two minutes. If that, and it doesn't matter. It, I, Yeah. Bring it, Tom, back in costume. What do you guys think of some of the new uh, footage we, we they've released of it? Because we got another teaser or okay. actual trailer for it. I think it looks really good. I think so too. I'm getting upset with the little state of the art animation thing that's on the new teaser, but with state of the art animation, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's not state of the art. You might want to look good, but might want to look that up. <laughs> It's not brand state new of the animation, art. maybe. Yes, but not state of the art. <laughs> hey, it might be new to them. <laughs> well, it is new. It's yeah, new it's animation. A, doesn't Although, make it state of the just, art. <laughs> just, just like when BBC got a hold of the uh, what was it called the 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 Quala, when they started doing all the visual effects with through the Vidfire. Yeah, no, not Vidfire. Oh. The it's her with a Q. Oh, Quantel. Well, when they got Quantel. <laughs> It was new to them, so yeah. <laughs> maybe whoever this is got the animation program, and they're like, "It's a state of the art." Uh, Quantel you, was state of the art back when they were using that back in the UK, but this is not state of the art. No. Did you guys see the ITV gaff? <laughs> Sean, did you see that? I didn't see this. Apparently, they ran a new story about Shada, <laughs> and some of the clips they played were from the Ian Levine animation. Oh. And the look on, I saw a clip from the show, and the look on Tom's face when they're telling him that that's him, voice, doing the voice, and he's, he's like, no. <laughs> they had Baker on. And, and was, Baker oh. on, and this the look on his face was like, that's oh, that was, me. oh my god. Some gosh. intern got fired <laughs> over that. Wow. <laughs> Makes me wonder where they got it, because that was all yeah. on torrent sites when that they came out. Had to out. dig they for that, released. yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Of course, you know, Ian Levine's probably just the <laughs> sticking it to the BBC because yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't option his stuff. So. Did, did you happen to see? Uh, not that you guys pay any attention to the WIBW news site on Facebook, but did you happen to see the the, the, the morning video? Uh-uh. I do all these little morning videos, like what today is, and so like you know. Today is Thursday, September 24th, and it's blah, 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 those kind of things. You know, National Eat a Fig Day, whatever these silly made-up holidays are. So for the Thanksgiving one that I put together that, that got posted, um, it was, you know, boom, 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 range-free turkey day or gluten-free, I don't know what they all are, meatless Thanksgiving, you know, turkey-free Thanksgiving, there's a, that's apparently day, Thanksgiving Day. But I did Thanksgiving Day as like the next to the last one. <laughs> and then the next page started because sometimes they loop over to the second page and the next page was Doctor Who Day and I had a little TARDIS appear and everything like that oh, cool. went, oh nice yeah did you know what today is it's not Thanksgiving it's Doctor <laughs> Who Day yes and it ran I'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> so yes if you if you saw that on Facebook that was me 
elsewhere in news, Big Finish has announced that Derek Jacoby's Warmaster is joining units in a Big Finish crossover. Ooh. So in the sixth... And it's, it's current unit, right? It's, yeah. It's uh, Gemma yeah. Redgrave and... Yes. Yeah. The, volume 6, Cyber Reality. They're <sighs> facing off against the Cybermen. No, don't spoil it. And... <laughs> <laughs> Derek Jacoby, as the War Master, becomes a scientific advisor to Kate Stewart and her team. Ooh, that's intriguing. <laughs> that's a nice twist. So this is Derek Jacoby's third series with Big Finish. So with his own, and then uh, time, Gallifrey Time War, and now this. Very cool. Can somebody at Big Finish please come up with a cool way of doing the Five Masters? I really want this to be a thing now. <laughs> yeah. Now that they've got... Yeah, licensing for sure. Let, let's just just somebody do it. They could at least, very least, if they could get the actors, they'd have to the get four actors, they'd the have four to get, masters. They, well, do, do we go back and do? I guess you could do. You could do the six masters. Well, really. the the thing is, you'll have to have a sound alike for Delgado and Ainley if you go back that far. Unless they do like they did for uh, the fiftieth and have just little snippets of previous Audio. dialogue. Yeah, they could do that. Or one of them could get caught in a. Both of them uh, could uh, be. Yeah. But Jeffrey Beavers is still around. So Jeffrey Beavers. Yeah. And uh, uh, Derek Jacoby. Um, John Sam. Uh, Michelle Gomez. Who was the one that played... Um, if they the, could get Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts. Uh, who, who was the one that played uh, the first crusty version of uh, the Doctor? Or of the Dave Master? Because Beavers was the second one. Beavers in, was ping pong ball. Ta- and, uh, no, Beavers was Tarkin. Oh, okay. He was so yeah, he was deadly the, assassin would be deadly assassin the, other, the one I'm missing, ball. and I can't remember. I, can't remember I think he name. had passed, hadn't he? I think maybe he has. So he's passed as well. And then they, they then they have the their dark eyes master that yeah, incorporate right. too. So they were almost there. <laughs> well, they, they they could have so many. You could do a five doctors or five doctors, a five, five masters, masters because without you do have about five survi- You could do beavers, even without Eric Roberts. Yeah, you could do beavers, uh, uh, Jacoby. Gomez, Sims, and um, the I can't remember the guy that's the Dark Eyes Master. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was in. Uh, I feel vaguely bad that I don't know this guy's name, but we haven't, we haven't got, got to any of those yet. yet, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of forgivable. <laughs> well, I I know him from the thick of it. He he had was a character in. That. Oh, was he on that? Yeah, he was in that show, but can't remember his the actor's name. Anyway, that'd be kind of fun. I think I should. Yeah, that would be. If you're listening, Big Finish, you're welcome. Make it happen. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, it's okay to say you're welcome. Well, we talked more about doing a Five Masters <laughs> than we did about Unit Volume 6 coming out. It's hard to get... Uh, for me, I'm so far behind on this unit box sets that it's. I'm excited about it, but it's so far in the future that it, I have like three, four, and five to go through before I can even worry about six. So. I did get the uh, Tenth Doctor uh, Volume 2 with... Uh, Ten and Rose, and I'm about halfway through the second story right now. So, and it's is it as good as Volume One? Enjoyable, although Rose doesn't quite sound like Rose to me. I think that's because she's aged a bit, but she mm. does get into character more so in this story that I'm in the middle of now than she did the first one. But mm. and Jackie's in the first one as well. So, mm, I think I knew spoilers. That, yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. Oh man, David Tennant. He just. I know you guys are sometimes a little sour on Tennant, but man, I just he's so. I good. don't know that I've ever been he's sour so on Tennant. 
You're sour on Rose. I'm sorry. You're sour on Rose. Yeah. Sour on Tenant with that's Rose. That's probably what it is. No, I just don't, I don't sour on Tenant with Rose. I just sours don't. the entire time. No, because of Rose. It, 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 Rose it, it, sours it, it, the entire time for you. No, I you just, hate Rose. You want her to die a horrible death. Anyway, I uh, never said David that. Tennant is a wonderful, Ever. wonderful doctor. And I he, agree. David he, Tennant is a you, wonderful doctor. He in these stories, he just didn't feel like he's missed a beat. So, That's so great. much, so much good. I'll be excited if uh, Matt Smith does eleven Doctor stories. Oh, yeah, me too. too. What else do we have? Well, Candy Jar has announced that. As it should have been all along, The Lost Skin is going to come out as a novella. Yay! <laughs> we will finally find out what happens. Unfortunately, that means part three is not in Havoc Files 4. Which I think we kind of knew. Anyway, <laughs> we knew that, so. but that was uh, under the hat. Boo! But, but, <laughs> but that, that we get 50% said, new material yes. in a novella format. Yeah, so we'll... So that means when we go to review it, we have to start over we'll and read Start back everything. over and read everything. Well, that's okay. I had to reread one and... When we reviewed two, so <laughs> just par for the course now. Uh, That's I, I think really exciting and a smart move on their part because you know it deserves to be its its own its own hard. Thing. I would back agree. It's such a good edition. it's such a good and intriguing story so far, and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So I think this is exciting news that we'll get all of it together. No uh, official release date yet. Not yet, anyway. Surely next year sometime. Yeah. And Glenn, you have the last bit of news. Yeah, this was just an interesting thing, and actually, I think I saw it on the Radio Times. <laughs> um, you know the big reveal of uh, Jody Whittaker's coat, or uh, outfit? <laughs> Apparently the jacket, the exterior jacket, got a coat, the, the long waistcoat. The wrong color. The wrong color. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So uh, apparently, and, and of course, you know, everybody rushed out especially at L.I. Who the weekend it came out and we're getting their cosplay together and now they're all fretting that they have the wrong color. Yeah, apparently <laughs> that what appears to be kind of maybe a, a tan, tan look is actually bluish. <laughs> um, and that comes direct from the it comes costumer. From, yeah, right? it, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, a cross between sky blue and lilac. Yes. Edward so, Russell. Edward Russell, yeah. So, uh, and uh, there's another guy called uh, Tranford Anderson who I think mocked up this. Uh, if you go to, I'll have put a link on the, on the show notes, but on the Radio Times, they did this article on it. And he tweeted back to him a Photoshopped uh, image that has tweaked the coat color. And uh, Russell was uh, pleased with it. He said, spot on from my memory. So if you want to go look what it actually looks like, there is a Photoshop treatment uh, of it, and uh, it is it is a little bit more blue lilac looking. So doesn't change my opinion at all of the costume because I think I it still looks tremendous. I kind of like the blue a little more. It kind of ties everything together a bit more, I think, because she already has different shades of blue anyways. Yeah. Makes the pants stand out more. <laughs> I, can see I knew that was the danger of bringing this news item up. I can see her ankles. <laughs> it doesn't matter the color of the coat. Sean can see your ankles. Well, that, now, now it makes me wonder what color the TARDIS actually is. Let's, let's talk the important part of this photo. Well, How doctored is it? That's what uh, Russell was saying, that because of some weird lighting thing. With it's it, got a filter on it, it so, but yeah. to give it that... Um, Kind of that sunset. warm sunset look, or yeah. maybe sunrise. Magic hour. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so that's all the news that I have. 
Well, let's move on to some feedback. First up in feedback, Chrissy. Good, because I have that one. <laughs> I saw that on your phone. I was thought about messing with you and saying Peaky. Ben first. Chrissy says, somebody has to say it. Dear Vortex Boys, hi guys. So this feedback is really long, and I apologize for that. I tried to edit it down, but I'm just not good at keeping things short, especially when it's something I feel it's important to say. Although, feel free to cut out my PS if you feel like it's too BG-13. Ooh, now I can't wait to read the PS. I don't remember if I read that or not. Here goes. I've been behind on listening to you podcasts. Not just yours, but in general. I've been trying to catch up, and I just got to the part where you talk, where you three talk about Jodie Whittaker's costume as the 13th Doctor. I'd like to add my two cents. And a little tough love, if I may. I will preface this by saying I have not seen a single episode of Mork and Mindy. But my very first thought upon seeing the outfit was... This is if Mork from Mork and Steve Urkel got together to dress somebody. I hate the pants so much. I hate pants that show someone's socks. It's one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to clothing. When I was in middle school, in that stupid, awkward adolescent stage where it felt like I was growing two inches every week, I was insanely self-conscious about my pants being too short and my socks showing. It's something that stuck with me throughout life. I hate it when people can see my socks. Even when it became the in thing to do, it drives me crazy to see people in pants that don't cover up your socks. It's not a sexualized thing. It's a don't you know how to dress yourself thing. This is why Sean was so on on point of getting this feedback to ready to read. Oh, yeah. I think Keith had said that Sarah thought the outfit looked childish. And that's probably the nicest description I can think of this. The coat looks good, though. I want that coat. Honestly, I think the pants would look better if it was long skirt instead. Cosplayers have been creating skirts for female versions of the Doctors for years. Why not take a cue from them? Long skirts, sometimes called maxi skirts, are wonderfully comfortable and quite practical, but still look nice. I've worn them to do all kinds of things, whether indoors or outdoors, which has sometimes included running for one reason or another. They are like pajama pants of skirts. Plus, nobody cares if a maxi skirt is too short. It's just there. A skirt doesn't have to be a mini skirt to look good. If I ever cosplay this doctor, my first move will be to find a long teal skirt instead of pants. And apparently, I can say this since I'm female, I'll get into that in a moment, but I think it's silly that everyone's clamored for the, quote, first female doctor, end quote, for years and years, and we finally get one. And the first thing they do is dress her in such a way that makes her look like she's anything but female. Good grief, pick a lane, BBC. Do you want a female doctor, or do you want a male doctor with boobs? If that's the case, just build an androgynous robot to play the part in perpetuity and forget about casting any human actors at all. Disclaimer, the views expressed in this feedback are not purely are purely those of Chrissy and not necessarily those of the hosts of Traveling the Vortex. <laughs> Unless they want to agree, then they're free to do so. That brings me to that tough love I mentioned earlier. Not just for you guys, but for many Doctor Who fans, male and female, that I've seen tiptoeing around the subject. Yes, it's great that there's a woman playing the part of the Doctor. Yes, it's nice that it was set up in-universe that Time Lords can regenerate into the opposite sex. Yes, Jodie Whittaker is a good choice to play the part, from what little I've seen of her at least. I also want fans to be able to speak honestly about their opinions of the show moving forward, not just about Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, but also about the way the show is run. I'm a little nervous about how things are going to go in the next season. Chris Chibnall's Doctor Who episodes have been very hit or miss in the past. He'll either do something amazing, like The Power of Three, or it'll be something kind of blah, like 42. 
That's definitely Chrissy's opinion on that. I don't know. About <laughs> I like 42. But... I did like the first season of Broadchurch, but I couldn't get into season two at all. My concern is that the quality of the next season of Doctor Who will be similarly inconsistent. I hope I'm proven wrong. The things will just click together perfectly, and the show will be amazing like in years past. But for now, I'm a bit skeptical. Problem is that I've expressed that opinion and heard others say similar things. And almost without fail, the first response from someone else has been, well, you're just mad about the doctor being female. Why are you so sexist? Oh, the irony. So, because I haven't fully bought on to the new cast and crew of Doctor Who yet, any criticism or concerns I have are only because there's a woman playing the Doctor, and I must hate women and never want them in any kind of leading role whatsoever knee-jerk response. Fandom's morality police want to throw at me. Yes, that's the only reason I have for not jumping wholeheartedly onto this bandwagon. Please note sarcasm used here. To keep my response (laughs) G-rated... That's utter nonsense. Not just because I'm female, and I think my opinion should get special treatment because of my genetics, it would also be nonsense to level that any... It would also be nonsense to level that accusation at anyone who voices a critical opinion, no matter if they're male or female. And this is the point I want to make. I don't want you guys to ever feel like you have to tiptoe around a negative review or reaction you have about new Doctor Who going forward. So what if there's a woman playing the Doctor? Neither she nor the cast nor the crew around her are immune from criticism, just as none of her predecessors have been. Maybe an episode has horrible writing. Maybe the monster looks ridiculous. Maybe Whitaker's performance wasn't as good as it could have been. Go ahead and say so. I certainly have done there. I certainly, I certainly have done. There were things in a Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi or David Tennant episode that I didn't care for, up to and including how the lead actors did in their roles. I'm happy to say there's been a lot more good than bad, and I hope that doesn't change. My point is, is that not every negative reaction can simply be attributed to whatever ism you can think of, and I'm getting sick of fandom acting like it can be. In a way, this is also a rent against fandom and some of their current attitudes. This is probably a losing prospect, though. Fandom's a stubborn and annoying beast. I'm not getting mad at you three for this at all. I just felt like there was a little hesitation when you guys talked about Whitaker's costume. Guys, please praise and or criticize Jodie Whitaker's Wattic- Jody Doctor the same way you would praise and or criticize Peter Capaldi or Matt Smith or John Pertwee or Peter Davidson or Colin Baker or even Tom Baker. This goes for things that she has no control over as well. Sometimes writers and showrunners make bad choices too. I don't want you three to feel like you have to stifle your opinions on anything just because a time lady is driving the TARDIS. Now, maybe you really haven't been hesitant in your thoughts at all, and I'm jumping to conclusions. But take this as a friend and a fan of the podcast offering you her feedback. I know I'm just one listener, but I won't be offended by your honest thoughts on anything, positive or negative. I don't have to agree with everything you guys think. I can think of more than a few times I've vehemently disagreed with one or more of you. But you've been honest, and that's what I care the most about. I just want to hear your thoughts from the heart. And that's all. Whew! That was a long feedback. Please know that it comes from a place of love, both for this show that we're all fans of and for this great podcast that's brought us all together as friends. Onward to Christmas. And no matter what happens, bring on the 13th Doctor. Chrissy. Oh, yeah, we can read that. Right? Yep. P.S. Again, this is 100% my opinion and not the boys. 
I think it would be hilarious if 13 came out of regeneration and cracked a joke about having boobs. I have boobs now. Boobs are cool. It probably won't happen because it's not terribly appropriate. But I would laugh so hard if it happened. Evil cackle. <laughs> Chrissy. Thanks, Chrissy. I like how you looked at me and see if we could read that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm the editor anyway, so well, you, I'll you, cut you, it you, out if you want. You, you, you are standards and practices around here. I am here. Let's standards be and practices, yes. <laughs> there are many things that I say that I, it's not until after it comes tumbling out of my mouth that I go, oh, maybe that one wasn't appropriate. And I have to talk to the editor later, but I figured we'd clear it ahead of time. I like to dress this because I think uh, Chrissy, I admire this uh, post, this email immensely because I think you you do speak from the heart here, and I think that you're you're absolutely right in everything you say. Uh, I do want to address the fact that I I do take some umbrage to specifically Jody's costume, uh, feeling like I personally tiptoed around it because I don't think I did. Although I think I'm the one that came out with high praise for it. And I said everything about it. And I don't think I held back anything that I felt about this. I, I love it. I think, again, my statements were it doesn't over-sexualize her, but it also doesn't under-feminize her. I think it's it's the perfect meld. I love it. I didn't tiptoe it around it at all, at all. To address that point, I also think that you're right in the sense that people should speak from their heart. But I think what I find is, as ambassadors of the show ourselves, because we are a Doctor Who podcast, what I've never wanted to do was get into a situation where there are other podcasts and other Doctor Who fans out there that they do nothing but berate the show. And I think what I've always come from a point of view of, my mom taught me, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And so that's where I come from. Now, I don't think any of us have really ever held back on our absolute views <laughs> of certain things. But because, I, I mean, if we don't like something, we say we don't mm-hmm. like something. But I don't feel like I've ever tiptoed around something I've been critical about or disgusted with. I maybe just didn't outpour too blatantly about it as I would if, yes, my praise sometimes comes it through more than my critique or criticism of something, uh, whether it's bad or good. So I think uh, you're absolutely in the right for saying that. Uh, I think that you're absolutely right about the statements of, of fandom and people should be able to have their own opinions about things. I just want you to be, I want it to be clear to you that for me personally, I am not tiptoeing, ever tiptoeing around anything but I may hold back if something is, I'm really critical about something. I would rather as an ambassador of Doctor Who the show. If if we were a podcast that did generically pop culture and things like that, I think I would probably be more critical because I know there would be things that I could be more critical about because it was across the board, everything, fandom. From this perspective as Doctor Who, we have that motto that I think is a good motto, that anything Doctor Who is good Doctor Who. Because it's Doctor Who. Not because everything in Doctor Who is good and great and we love it, but because it's Doctor Who, we want to, I want to keep a positive, energetic notion about the program and the uh, uh, topic as a whole. So, again... If I don't have anything good to say about something, I'd rather say less about it than just completely berate something that I don't like. So that's where I come from in that. And I again, I don't think we've ever really, t- I've never really tiptoed around anything. I can't speak for my other co-hosts, but uh, 
if I feel passionately about something, I mostly will say something about it. Uh, but yes, my praise comes through a lot more than my my uh, critiques. Well, we we've always tried to find the silver lining in everything we we watch, especially who related. I think in general. So yeah, I don't. I try not to tiptoe around it either. If I seemed hesitant about the costume, it's because it's a costume. I don't really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That's what they're gonna wear. I. I Get, let me get to my the story and the acting and give me the meat. Stop this whipped cream. I don't care about the whipped cream. Now that Glenn and Keith have finished tiptoeing around their answer, <laughs> about tiptoeing around the answer, uh, I'll be the first person to say, yeah, I tiptoed all over that my response. But I think that's because I was the one that was the most disappointed with it. I did not like the outfit. I still don't like the outfit. And I don't care if the coat's periwinkle, lavender, or tan. I, I just I don't like the look. But, yes, I, I can say that I tiptoed around it because, like Glenn, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, especially when it comes to the way a lady dresses. And we all have ladies in our lives, and they'll come to us and say, hey, I'm going to wear this tonight, what do you think? And at no point in time do I feel comfortable, even if I, you know, that's what you're going to wear, which may be the thought process, at no point in time do I actually get to say that. Now, I'll find creative ways of maybe trying to spin that. Like, I'm not sure about those shoes with the rest of that outfit. Or maybe if you changed the pants, the shoes would look better. Something that's, you know, putting a more constructive spin on it. But just to come out and say, wow, you're, you're dressed like... <laughs> that's just not something that's in my nature to do. So, yes, I feel like I tiptoed around it a lot. Uh, but... Um, and, and, and in some ways, yes, the, the all who is good who motto, in a way, can be counterproductive because I, I think we've always tried to be honest. And I know now that I, I'll go back even and listen to some of the old podcasts where we gave the horn to, you know, a story. And I kind of think to myself, that was unfair. And on second look, that I, I don't think that was as bad as, you know, I made it out to be. Or maybe there's a review that I thought you know, I really should have lamb-blasted that a little bit harder because I don't think I got my point across very well. So there's a constant back and forth with it. But, um, I, I, yes, I, Chrissy, I appreciate your honesty, and I will endeavor to be as honest as I can be without falling into that fandom trap of everything sucks and my fa my, my childhood is ruined <laughs> and, oh, my God, why can't they just, you know, do it like they used to do it because... That's the way it is, and I, I don't want to be that person. We and strive whether, not to do that. Whether, whether it's here or flicks with friends or whatever it is, I don't want to be the, the negative Nancy. So but that's that's my take on that. And we want to also encourage all of our listeners to not tiptoe around anything that you don't like. Just be like Chrissy did and send in whatever you think no matter what. Yeah, I don't think we've ever edited any bit of mm -mm. feedback. Uh it's, I don't think we've it, ever not read a, a bit yeah, of feedback either. I yeah, mean, that's why I say it. I don't think we've ever edited it in such and a if way. And if we don't, if we if don't you have read opinion, something, we explain why we wouldn't, won't read right, it right. because it's saving for later or being spoilery or yeah. yeah. I mean, we obviously are going to edit something that has language in it because we are a PG. <laughs> yes, <laughs> PG threat rated show, not necessarily G, but PG. All right, we got more feedback. We do have more feedback. Up next is Ben. Ben writes, hey guys, it's been a while. That's mostly because I fell at work about seven weeks ago and sprained my ankle pretty bad. Oh. 
I did the same thing on the same leg about six years ago. On that occasion, the foot broke. This time, there was too much calcification as a result of that break for it to break again. <laughs> well, I guess there's that. <laughs> Not sure if that's better or worse. Consequently, everything else in the ankle snapped and twanged, oh, etc. No. Oh. Anyway, I normally listen in the mail truck while I'm driving around, since I'm stuck in the office with management. <laughs> Answering phones and other piddly work, the podcasts are stacking up. That's both good and bad. When I get back to it, I will have plenty to catch up on. I'm still listening as I am able to, but I'm not completely ba- but so I'm not completely backed up. Moving along, there isn't much going on around here. I've been able to get some reading in. I started and finished The Book of Phoenix by Nettie Okorafor. I'm sure I butchered that. This is the prequel to Who Fe- Who Fears Death? Sorry. This is a prequel to Who Fears Death. Phoenix is... Who fears death. Yes. Okay, I'm with you. Who fears death. Not a guy named Who Fear. <laughs> who fear. Oh, well, this guy named Who Fear died. After the author's name, my brain just kind of went and rammed all of that together, and I went, God, I feel bad, Keith. I'm sorry. I, I, just, went, I just went to John Who Fear's uh, funeral the other day. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Oh, Who, who fears. fears Death. Okay, I'm not making fun of the way you're reading it. No. I just, <laughs> It's a mouthful. It's just uh, a mouthful. Phoenix is much uh, is a much more sci-fi oriented book than Who Fears Death was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write it together on purpose? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought he enunciated that one a little bit better. <laughs> Weaken. <laughs> uh, both are really good and are recommended. After finishing that, I moved on to Anne Leckie's ancillary trilogy this started with ancillary justice it was really good but takes a much different approach slash style this made is a little confusing to get through this made it a little confusing to get through i'm currently on the second book ancillary sword i'm more used to the universe than that lecky is building still a bit confusing though i would definitely recommend this series though also recently read the flaming soldier which was quite good. And now we are 600. My favorite was the poem about canine. Duh. <laughs> Lastly, as you fellows noticed to some degree, I have completed my collection of the 4th Doctor Target, Target books. The majority are second editions, which still makes them 30 to 40 years old in most cases. Perhaps for next year's Goodreads reading challenge, I'll knock them out as a group, minus the few that I've already read. Lastly, by the time this hits the interwebs, airwaves, it will be old news, but The Lost Skin is now available to pre-order. Of course, I've already done this already, as it's limited to 400 copies. Folks may want to move on this quick. It's sure to be a corker. That's it for now. We all know that I forget things, so who knows? There may be more. Who knows? Anyway, I'd like to wish everyone there and those listening a happy Thanksgiving. Gobble till you wobble. Remember that Stouffer's is selling Thanksgiving fat pants so we can all eat excessively. That's Stouffer's. Oh, Stouffer's <laughs> is selling Thanksgiving fat pants so we can all eat excessively and only hate ourselves a little. Take care, everyone. Ben. I feel bad, Ben, because I, f- I follow 
I don't want to say this incorrectly, so I'm going to tiptoe around this, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like now we'll have to have disclaimers. This will be me tiptoeing now. <laughs> I, feel, I, I I interact with Ben a lot on Facebook. Um, to some extent, I feel like we may be clogging up each other's feeds a little bit with the amount of how much that we we put out there together. And I don't recall ever seeing anything on the ankle. So I, I feel bad that I'm just now finding this out and that it was seven weeks ago. I follow him on both Facebook and Twitter. And I think I found about found out about it on Twitter, I believe. Okay. Maybe I, maybe it was Facebook. I'm sure I follow I him on Facebook or on Twitter too, but I, I just, I'm not on I've, Twitter. I've known much. about it. Uh, other than because he would update with, uh, well, he was home for a while. And then he would update I remember with where seeing he those was in, Yeah. And then updates. he was in the office and behind a desk and. He would he would frequently update on those. Yeah, I guess so. I just missed. Maybe all I of interact that, so. with him more than you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you do. But I'm I'm sorry that your your ankle um is broken, twisted, well, whatever happened, twinged, twinged. <laughs> fractured. No, those are all actual terms. I need to come up with something. Well, get well soon. Heal oh, up. Yes. Heal up wholly, so you can catch back up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the man get you down in the office. That's right. Yeah. All right, shall we move on to our reviews? Actually, first, tell people how they can reach us, Keith. You can send us feedback uh, by going to our website, travelinthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Or you can send it directly to feedback at travelinthevortex.com. Or as like Twin twin did. (laughs) (laughs) Ben did. You can send it via Twitter. Ben, who twinged his ankle. twinged his ankle. Feedback through Twitter. Yes. Or any other sort form of social media. Very good. Now let's move on to our reviews. ID. In the 32nd century, the doctor finds himself on a planet piled high with discarded computer technology. Picking over these remains are an army of scandroids, a collection of unsavory illegal data pirates, and a team of researchers from the mysterious Lonway Clinic. This is a world of organic digital transfer and personality surgery, which the doctor finds disturbing enough until something far more deadly starts to emerge. Bum, bum, bum. I like this one. I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed this one. So did I. I thought we were getting into something kind of standard. It's like, oh, it's a you know junk planet. Oh, it's digital transfer. Oh, it's, you know, ID. Oh, killer robots. Okay. And then it twisted a little bit. And it got darker and more interesting as, as the, the, the idea of having your memory wiped and replaced with somebody else's. And it's like, okay, that's kind of horrific in a way. That's a cool idea, but it's kind of horrific. And then the robots began. And at first it was just the, oh, they're going to kill off some unnecessary people to show that the robots are a threat. Oh, no, the robots are killing everybody. <laughs> and gruesomely, I mean, it just it turned into this real... Base Under Siege story, and it did it on a dime, and it did it in a way that I didn't see coming. So I, I thought that was really cool, that it just, it was like, oh, all right, way to surprise me, you know, cool. And, of course, Colin Baker's phenomenal, because he's yeah. always phenomenal in these big finish stories. Um, and, and quite humorous and funny when he falls off piles of junk. <laughs> and twists his ankle. And twists his ankle. <laughs> uh, I, I the, the best twist of it was the fact that... Uh, was Not it his t- ankle. Tevez... Yeah. I like the fact that it's revealed that she's actually the guy whose data they're looking for. 
Um, and yeah. they did that in a nice way where she keeps it very low key that, that, you know, basically she's in there doing this audit of the system and, or of, yeah, of their system. And, you know, the, she's basically says, well, I'm just an accountant. I can't do anything, but I can put in a grievance, you know, that kind of stuff. And then she goes back to her ship and it's kind of revealed at that point. And I, that caught me by surprise or it's not. Yeah. It was her ship when she was getting ready to escape and couldn't, but that completely caught me by surprise. I was like, wow, that's, that was pretty cool. I never suspected that she was this guy who, mm-hmm. you know, had basically dumped into another brain was dumped into another brain. And it was, brain. it was one of those going from a character that, Oh, she's an accountant. Maybe you fear her just a little bit too. Oh, she's a cool accountant. This is kind of cool too. All right. She's part of the team. She's going to help him escape too. Oh no. To what the hell <laughs> <laughs> that whole. And it was like, yeah. wow. Cause that I didn't was, see any of it coming. Uh, I like that the uh, information actually mutates. Uh, what was the main guy? Not the main guy, but the main doctor. Uh, Marriott? Marriott? Yeah. I like that it actually fully, like, he offloads it into his brain, not realizing what it's ultimately going to do. And, and it ends then, up yeah. mutating him. That was another thing, is I thought, you know, it's either going to, you know, fry his brain or just, no, it's a complete mutation. Like, yeah. you can imagine this guy's like some uh, big old beast guy. And I thought that was really, really cool, too. A lot of surprises. I agree. It just it 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 kind of goes along a path where you think you're predicting it and expecting it, and then it takes a lot of twists and turns. and And I really quite enjoyed that. And I suppose you, if you boil it down to you know the the aspects of it, though, you've got the base under siege, you've got the mad scientist, you've got the you know there's yeah, it's got all the earmarks, you know, the tropes, check boxes of a Doctor Who story, but it did them in such an unusual way. It feels like. Well, and the, the fact that they it's all couched in this you. Not necessarily original, but unique approach to the technology. The the ideas behind all of this are really cool of how the mind wipe stuff initially is adding personality features that you want for yourself. And then it just takes that to 11 when you, you know, shows the dangers of these sort of technologies and these ideas. I think that's one of the strongest aspects of the story, too. And the idea that the guy that being analog is immune to it. Yeah, Gabe. Yes. Gabe, I really liked him. Uh, he had to touch his computers, and yeah. That was an interesting thing, too, is I thought him and his mother were going to be this big, like, sort of quasi-adversary type, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, at least antagonist, side antagonist in this thing. And then, ultimately, I mean, she she's dead. She The, the robot kills her. But he survives because of his, you know, he does he's not he's not able to be wired the same way everybody else is, and so then him becoming part of the team, and then they're like, yeah, okay, he's helping out. He's he's not a total bad guy, and then you know, uh, he ends up uh, injecting her with the the data, right? She ends up mutating the Doctor Tevis, don't they? At one time they're yeah. fighting. The, and the doctor's, doctor's upset able to, about it because yeah. he's like, well, what? I bought you the time you needed. So I love the fact that he's he, you know, you you. Don't you don't quite like him, but you don't quite hate him because you know he goes a little rogue and does his own thing and upsets the doctor in that way. So the character was really kind of you know uneven, and I like that about him as well. So that was that was a lot of things that caught me off guard as well. It also I, I want to talk, just touch briefly on the length um, because this winds up being three, three parts. parts basically the right amount. Yeah, <laughs> and that is. <laughs> So so many of these big finish stories that we get feel like maybe there's just a little bit of padding that's happening to get them to fill out to that four-part nice Doctor Who structured length. 
but this one was perfect at three. Yeah. And it makes me wonder how many of the other ones maybe we should look at cutting down to three and then adding <laughs> on a, a little bonus half hour story for the you know well, the I other mean, segment. But how many of the classic series sometimes were three episodes? It wasn't always four, so not many. I think I, I mean, think you'd have to go finish... to the Sylvester McCoy era before you got to the three parters. Because yeah. they, they didn't do um the, the they were always two or four or yeah. six throughout all the way up to um, Colin. Colin, thank you. Uh, and then they switched to two nights a week. So two forty-five. So there were two forty-five yeah, minutes episode, yeah. which is the same length as a four-parter. It just doesn't have right. that double cliffhanger in it. Uh, but then when Sylvester McCoy's era started, they would do the the four and four with a, a two threes in the middle. And it was the by cutting those middle ones down to three, the economic reason for it was that allowed them to go on location for the four-parter. So they could, you know, afford that by cutting those two parts out. But yeah, that's really the only the only time you get the three parters. I think it translates well to Big Finish. But though. it does translate really well to Big Finish. I agree. It paces the story real well because there's some of the Sylvester McCoy three parters that feel like they should have been four. But, yeah, yeah. But some of them I really like at three too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Overall, a lot of fun and yeah. kept me guessing through the whole the whole thing. I really liked all of the characters, even the ones you're not supposed to like. <laughs> um. I like the idea that that the medical crew, well, it's a stretch to call them a medical crew, but the the medical crew are also kind of these scavengers that are going out to find these pieces in the junk piles, essentially, of this wasted data uh, in order to harvest that so that they can use that in their stuff as well. Counter that, having the pirates out there that, you know... Finding the highest bidder. Yeah, they're doing the same thing, and they're finding the highest bidder so that they can sell it on the quote unquote black market as well. So I thought that was an interesting concept as well. So I liked it. So overall, cool. maybe it just comes on the heels of, you know, from Thor Ragnarok where we just had this trash planet. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's that true maybe too. that kind of carried over some of my enjoyment because I, I felt it was very well, I, I could visualize yeah. it very well. Yeah, and I don't know how yeah. much of that was maybe being borrowed from Thor uh, coming on the heels of that, but it just, it, it just felt like a very lived in, Oh yeah, you know, almost Star Star Wars universe with well, this was, particular planet's in. It's, speaking of which, and I think that it, they they had the right amount of levity at the beginning too, because it's kind of light and there's funny moments in it, because of the fact that it's going to get really dark and serious as well. So much so that when the doctor steps out of the TARDIS, goes, "Well, hello there," and then you hear him go, <laughs> "You hear him crash." I could literally visualize him tumbling down the piles yeah. of junk as he steps out of the TARDIS. I thought that was really, really good. Uh, when is it Lake that goes to get the guy that has disappeared and thinks that the uh, pirate, uh, the mom and the game have the him held hostage? So she goes oh, to make yeah. the negotiation, finds out the doctor, and she's like, "Yeah, okay, that's not him," and leaves. And I thought <laughs> he's very taken back by it. Like, wait, what? <laughs> You're not going to help me? You're not uh, in my budget, pal. But then they kind of explain that later too that. Even though she, I mean, she turned away and you kind of think she didn't have any sort of conscience leaving him back there to die. And then you find out later, well, yeah, no, because she's had this pretty much augmented out of her wiring that she has no conscience. And the doctor addresses that with her later. And I thought that was kind of cool, too. Well, and I thought, because that was Claudia Bridge. Yes, Bridge. Yeah, Bridge. That's what I meant, not Lake Bridge. Uh, I thought she was a great, wound up being a great stand-in companion throughout the entire story. Because mm-hmm. it, it had that almost 10th Doctor uh, specials, no companion, 
you know, you got to have somebody fill in. And I enjoyed her enough that I would have been okay if she wound up going on the TARDIS for a while. I agree. A worthy audition. Yes. <laughs> Always auditioning. <laughs> Constantly. Anything else about this one? No, let's move on to the next one. Urgent Calls. Earth, 1974. An innocent phone call. Okay, it was a wrong number, but there can't be any harm in that. Can there? I know how much we hate ranking things, but this is in my top five stories of all time of Big Finish. This is one of the greatest stories I've ever had heard. And I love it because, especially because of the format of it. Yes. The entire thing is two people, with the exception of the friend of, what's her name? I can't even remember the gal's name. Uh, Cl- uh, <sighs> Lauren. Lauren, thank you. Uh, Lauren's friend, who answers the phone at that one point as well. But it's it's really all done from their audio in this whole thing. Oh, I guess there's the DJ when she calls... The radio station. Yeah. I love the idea of a virus that is implemented in order for the user to luckily stumble into a situation to get them out of the situation. I love that. Uh, I love the setup for it, that she accidentally calls the doctor. He recognizes that she's got something serious wrong with her, sends her to the, the hospital where Unit steps in. <laughs> they don't say it so much, but yeah. you know what it is. In fact, I love the comment of, you know, and then this guy came in, this advisor came in, and he goes, wasn't it a tall guy with white hair? <laughs> white curly hair, was it? She goes, no. And she goes, oh, thank God. He says, oh, good, thank goodness. You know, obviously he's referring to his yeah. uh, third incarnation. I thought that was funny too. But just the whole format, the back and forth between the two, uh, the performances for just being two people on a telephone was great. It was so good. Uh, and it's really heartfelt. And actually, I almost shed a little tear at the end knowing that she was never going to hear from the doctor again because he potentially had solved the situation of this virus. So there was no need to get the the lucky calls after that anymore or, or calling somebody, in, in, you know, in the right situation uh, accidentally. So I just I, I can't say anything. I can't say anything bad about this story. It was so much fun. It was so engaging. And it's short. I think that, that serves it well, too, that it was just about a 20, 30-minute story. And all done in that format was beautifully, beautifully done. I don't know that you could sustain the format for a long time. I don't think story. you could. No. no. But it, it utilizes the audio format perfectly. Uh, and I love the fact that because we're following it from Lauren's perspective, we don't know what was truly behind everything. Or if the doctor fixed it, we just assume he did because she doesn't get in touch with him well, again. Of course, the doctor fixed it. Of course, he's he does. the doctor. <laughs> but but we don't we don't we didn't then switch to the doctor's perspective and get some big long info dump of okay here's what right, solved the problem. Right. It no, it just okay. Well, it's it it almost made it real life and the fact of there could be these weird coincidences making you connect with somebody and then you those coincidences stop. It's just so relatable, especially for those of us who had, like, you know, non-cell phones back in the day. <laughs> it's also kind of nice that at the be- near the beginning, the doctor says that he doesn't t- get calls on the TARDIS, that he often, his correspondence is by letter. Yeah. And so at the end, her, res- how she's, her yeah. resorting to a letter at the very end, yeah. writing him a letter, I thought that was a neat That was the tear Yeah. Moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the perfect format. No, it's the perfect story for Big Finish. 
Yeah, you couldn't. How am I trying to say? There, you, yeah, only Big Finish only could have done this, right? That's still not it, but no, only yeah, Big Finish, only, only Big a finish format like Big Finish could you have pulled right, this kind of story go. off. Yeah. This, yeah. It would not have worked as a television episode. You simply no. couldn't have uh, no. couldn't have done it, or as a book, even. I don't think. I think would've. you could have done it easier as a book than you could a television series, but not as well. As but you not can as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. And again, uh, Colin is is in top form. It oh, seems yeah. he's he's really just having a blast with these. Well, I love that she locks him into, you know, it it becomes very just a professional situation for him. He needs to get information so that he can further it on. She's very much in the, well, you know, can we just chat type thing too and lures him into that and he's able to kind of fall into that and yeah, well, yes, of course. And so they do have these little conversations and you do find, you do hear him sort of engaging and enjoying the the simple conversation that is something that is out of character for the sixth he, doctor he softens he softens for that and he actually seems to enjoy the conversation even though sometimes it feels forced and he feels like he's you know searching for a way to be conversational with her but it works really well and you can kind of feel him fall into it a little bit as well yeah uh, just the the way that colin baker conveys it in his voice it just works so well it really does it makes you wonder it made me wonder where in the timeline maybe that this particular story falls yeah yeah um because i it feels like maybe it's before evelyn could be because they do engage in the more conversational uh way that that he and and lauren do lauren yeah already forgot her name yes lauren do so that's a good point it probably is between because this isn't something you would see him doing with perry necessarily or mel or Mm-mm. anybody else he's traveled with i know we haven't gotten that far i i, <laughs> I listened to last adventure so i have heard a, a couple other companions but flip <laughs> <laughs> jiggle and lightfoot <laughs> frobisher frobisher yeah. well i don't know he could probably talk this way before <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm no. No, it'd be more combative. <laughs> yeah, it would be very combative. Yeah, hi, Marks. I, I yeah. just I can't say anything bad about this one at all. It's just it's a fun just, story. It is it really so, is. so well done. And I think it, I, it, as you said, you couldn't have done this for more. It wouldn't have sustained more than 30 minutes of yeah, the story. Yeah, no. But and that's probably why. And so it's hard for me to in, in you know endear to it to say, well, this is one of the best audios I've heard. Because the format is so different and because of the time limitations. But I just, yeah, I, I mark that up there. As, this is certainly one of the best things I've ever heard come well, out and of it, the it's, main range. It's such a, I mean, we, we've talked before about how Big Finish takes these uh, stories that deal so heavily with audio. And they find a way to really capitalize on. Just take advantage and yeah. capitalize and, and, and they, they, they just gel. It works so well for them. And and we've had a couple that have been Soundwave monsters or, you know, the, the, this or well, we have to do it this way. Okay, fine. And it works. Um, and then just to actually do one that's, it's a telephone conversation and somebody at Big Finish went, ooh, we could do that. <laughs> you know? Yep. I mean, that's very clever. Yeah. Should we move on to the comics? Yes, let's. The Doctor, Alice, and the Sapling now growing further into adulthood, take on a new wave of insane adventures. Still missing many of their most treasured memories, the TARDIS team stumble across a memory arc, and their reality starts to fray further at the edges. Then, can the Doctor and Alice stop the sapling from growing into the genocidal creature of destruction that it may be doomed to be? 
That's the back of the graphic novel for uh, volume two. Bum, bum, bum. It's there. It was enjoyable. It wasn't as... I really... Uh, I really did not like the art of these first two stories. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was my biggest... The storytelling was fine. I just did not like the arts. See, I... and, and it's not just the art for the 11th Dr. Sean, because you get to fooled... And I enjoyed the art of that one. I thought the art was fantastic. And I'm I'm one of the people I could not read. Oh, what's the the Frank Miller Batman? Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Dark Knight, Dark I could, Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. I could not read. I could not read that because I could not get past the art. And so I struggled with this story just because of the art aspect. Of Frank it. Miller's Sin City is along the same lines. It's a tough one. To... Yeah. To, to visually read, I think the movie's amazing, but the, the comic itself is, is kind of a tough read because it's so stark in that way. Um, I, 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 I hate to... We try tip, not to bag on the art. We try not to bag on the art and tiptoe around this. Um, but traditionally what winds up happening is you get a launch title and the, the, the comic book company will put this A-list writer and their top artist on it. And they put the comic out, and it's phenomenal. And they stay together for about six months to maybe a year. And then the artist moves on to something else. And maybe the writer sticks around for another year, but now they've got kind of a B-list artist on it. And he's still churning out good stuff, but it's just not quite what it was in that first year. And then the author moves on, and they bring in somebody else to take over the line. And that artist moves on, and the C-list artist kind of comes in. And it becomes to the point where usually at about that, that I'm starting to tune out. Because it's not that the stories aren't good, but they're just not visually arresting for me anymore. And it gets harder and harder and harder to stick around for some of these, these comic titles when they keep changing them. Uh, and it just kind of keeps, you know, because the, 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 the A-listers go on to launch the next thing. Um, and so nobody seems like they have the loyalty to that. Now, Titan has kind of always done things a little differently, where it seems like they've got a stable of authors, that or, or writers and, or not writers, um, artists, that they kind of rotate in and out and that somebody will do an arc and then they'll have somebody else come in and do the next arc. And then maybe that first artist comes back for the next phase of it or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I've always commented that I like the kind of simplistic childish, not childish, but childlike way they've captured the 11th doctor previously in this line that his particular, um, a comic art has been very comic like, and it's been very kind of almost, Almost simplistic with his kind of, you know, just little beady eye pupils and, uh, uh, you know, button nose and that kind of stuff. And I haven't minded because it's really worked for it. I suffered the same problem with these. I really struggled on the first two issues because it got to the point where it almost... There, there's a couple of very nice splash pages or, or panels, but it felt like so much of it was very just... I'm going to draw one person in the center of the frame as large as I can get them so I don't have to draw background. And I, I feel cheated anytime we get to that point in a, a comic. So that aspect of it really took me out of the elements of the storytelling. And it, it was frustrating because it just the visuals were not matching the, the the story that was being told. I thought the story was interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed the story part of it. But well, the why don't we talk really... about the story? Okay, Since I'm we sorry, haven't done sorry. that yet. And I'll say you both are wrong. The art is just fine. It's not the greatest artwork I've ever seen, but the art looks great. That's all I'll say about the art because I think the story is the most 
engaging part about it. So I think that's the most important thing. All right, Glenn, bring, bring, bring I think the story is clever. I like the fact that they have come across this arc in space (laughs) for, for less of a better term. I see what Um, you did there. I like that the, uh, they discover that I love the bigger on the inside aspect of it. The fact that the doctor is trying to figure out if there is some sort of time Lord technology going on here. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that it's basically an interface. It's like a holodeck. It's like being on a giant holodeck, and all these little panels create these illusion. Um, I like the villain of this, which are the I don't even remember what they called them, but they were they're sort of these pseudo ghost echo things that eat on memories and feed on memories, and they almost have a a zombie like aspect to them, and but actually more of an infestation, maybe even more of a bug quality of the fact that they just continue to eat, feed on memories. I like the fact that it's this uh, race of people that have passed, that are gone, that they're, they're, they don't exist anymore, but they want their memory to live on. And the one guy who everything's kind of plugged into to let this art go through space and have their memory live, live on. I love the idea of the doctor showing up saving the day basically overloading them say well if you want to feast on it feast and basically under you know letting their glutton be their own demise so it doesn't necessarily make the doctor you know becoming very oh well we'll just we got to kill them it's kind of their choice you you feed on it let it go yeah and i like that resolution of it as well i thought i like this two-story uh arc very well i thought it was uh very well paced and that's it. And the artwork is good. Once again, a <laughs> little bit of serendipity that our, our Friday Night Who selection this week was the Rings of Akaton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's certainly it's true. It's almost like I planned it. That's very close. <laughs> I, I completely agree with what you say, Glenn, about this story. I, it's very engaging. And once I could kind of get past the art, I really got hooked into it and really got dragged in and, and really enjoyed the ride. Cool. Let's do the next set. Well, the next one, Fooled, which I quite enjoyed. Of uh, So it's them in a fair, and this guy takes the sapling's picture and uh, starts stealing other people's memories on accident. So it feels like it's a setup for a future story arc because it never doesn't fully get resolved. I think the one thing I was most confused about is that it seems like they show up at this fair, which I think is supposed to be kind of made by a quasi-Renfest thing. But isn't there a big giant statue? And of... they, they never address it. They don't. In fact, it's almost like it's a device because somebody comes by the sapling and he says, oh, great costume. You must have worked a long time on that. So I get the impression that the sapling could run away, run around looking like he did. Because there's a big giant statue of one of these saplings there, they never really explain no, that. No, they really don't. And I, I bring that up first because that's right there that's from the, the get-go. Yeah, and you don't get any resolution of what that is. Uh, besides that, I agree. I like the, the idea of this creature that's dressed up as a fool taking pictures and stealing memories, but it has the reverse effect with the sapling because of the entity that yeah. he is. He ends up drawing those uh, memories that those people around him have lost, and they kind of figure that out as they go along. And uh... well, and just the idea of Eleven, Alice, and the Sapling going to this fair and just having fun is just delightful. It's, it's, a, a, nice, it's a nice change. It's a breakaway because you don't yeah. often get that. You don't often get that. You know, even though they do end up in a situation that they have to help resolve, 
it is a break. They are enjoying themselves. They're having ice cream. Uh, the doctor's having ice cream, and he's having more ice cream, and he's having more ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the last arc and this this story, they have the voice of Eleven so well. Yeah, and he's doing so. all sorts of different things that Eleven would totally do the entire time he's at this fair, being so ridiculous. Yes, agreed. Uh, right down to the the, I love the the, the through line of the hook a duck too. Where that's yeah. his favorite thing, and he's gonna go. Sh- I'll show you how it's done. And of course, he can't hook a duck through the whole time. But then, as they're chasing down the fool, of he course, he successfully hooks, hooks the, the fool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the the games are all rigged at the fair. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you're hooking a real thing, it's you're good to go. Yeah, good point. I didn't thought of that. <laughs> It's proof. <laughs> I like that Sapling comes to the conclusion too that he, this kind of helps him understand because those memories go away from him after their return to the rightful yeah. people. He does understand, and in fact, he's apologizing to the doctor and uh, uh, Alice that you know if this is this what it feels like to lose memories. I feel bad for what I have done to you guys. And, I, and that was kind of a neat little moment there as well. Not only was it a neat moment, I feel like it was a needed moment. Because it, it's it's something that... The Sapling's an interesting character, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. Because I'm kind of tired of the Doctor and Alice having these holes in their memory that just very conveniently keep playing into every arc that have come along. And obviously it's it's a longer arc that we're, we're setting up with the Sapling and where this is going. But it's just kind of like, okay, I'm I'm ready for my doctor to come back. I'm I'm tired of him being hampered and hamstrung by this entity that doesn't mean to be, yeah, what he is. He can't help it, and yet he is. So it was nice for him to finally acknowledge, oh, dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, cool. That's I, I just I needed that to kind of I agree to to soften the character a little bit. The next story. Which we're not entirely sure where it comes from, <laughs> because it's in the graphic novel. But, but we're not, not doing that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're not doing that well, one. we we don't necessarily need to because, well, we could we could talk about. I it. read it. Yeah, I, mean, I did too. If you if we want to talk about it, we could. Um, it go for is it. if we're doing the graphic novel because it's a little more convenient for us. But if anybody's following along, they would not necessarily have read this piece because true, unless we, they just, picked we up got it. the bonus unless they picked up the special issue that it came in. So. We could talk about it if you guys want to, or we can just go we'll with what it. we originally had talked about reviewing. But I did indeed read it as well. So, Are you guys ready to go ahead and read it? It's covered. We're here. Or not. <laughs> did you have much to say about it, Glenn? I'm trying to remember what it was about. <laughs> the uh, I'm tra- tracking down the doctor's teacup. Oh, right, mug. right. Yeah, with the... Uh, uh, well, that was the weird thing about it too. Is the you got the impression that these were like like ravengers or something that they end up encountering, right? Yeah, like <laughs> punk rock weird. <laughs> and then it's just kind of they track down this mug, and that's the end of the story. I think it it feels like one of those little interlude things that isn't just thrown into a novel. I think this might have been. A, I don't want to say it's a free comic book because I think we've gotten all the free comic books. I was going to say, it but feels I think like it it's must a free be, comic book day. Type yeah, it story. feels like a special thing that they have released. Uh, but yeah, the, the the importance of this cup becomes the drive as to why they have to get to the bridge of this ship before it. You know, basically, the ship they had to go through like what's like four hundred and some protocols, which I thought was funny too because. He said, you know, this could be a little dangerous. And then they go through all the different protocols. And Alice makes the uh, comment of, 
a little dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. But it was a nice, I mean, what it's I, a nice what, little aside. It's a fun little, you know, throw in there. And it's a little foolish because he is really only trying to get a coffee mug that Alice points out. You could buy this on <laughs> Earth. No, it's part of a set. <laughs> What I what I I think what I like the most about it is the fact it's kind of a break from the sapling and it's Alice and Eleven together just being themselves and I would we agree. have these other st- characters but they're not really that big of a thrust of the story so it's it's kind of the pairing the comic pairing that I I really enjoy I would agree I do enjoy themselves. Eleven and Alice together a yeah. lot All right well, let's move on to the next one um, Strange Loops. Ultimately, is my least favorite of the set, but I didn't. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I think it's a little more tug at the heartstrings. Come to this planet that has gone from natural to industrialized immediately. Doctor knows there's something wrong. They've got this like vortex energy issue that keeps wreaking havoc with his body because there's something wrong there. He clearly knows from the effects they're having on his body that there's Time Lord. Uh, technology there finds these you know it comes back to this planet which there's another convenience of the fact that he can't remember these people but he's clearly met them before because they know him and they know of him and they know, yeah um, and then to come across this the the I actually kind of like this idea of the the story is the big cliffhanger at the end of the first part of this story is the fact that there's this young Gallifreyan child who obviously is a little disfigured but, you know, the doctor's like, okay, what's this? What's going on? <laughs> and I kind of thought, I wonder how they're going to go with, where they're going to go with this. this is, you know, because it's, it would be interesting to find another Time Lord or Time Lady that has survived. Yeah. Because we're under the impression that with the exception of him and the Master, all of the other Time Lords were, were wiped out. And I thought, I wonder where they're going to go with this. And so I was really appreciative that they were creative enough for her to be the interface for another weapon that was in the Amiga Arsenal. Yeah. I thought that was a clever idea. Um, oh, and the, what the weapon does, I thought was really clever too. Yes, agreed. Um, and then to find out that these, this, what they call them, the golden triangle? Something triangle. Something triangle. Anyway, came across this device, and they're basically running a con job on the planet by advancing their knowledge of technology in order to speed up the industrialization of this planet which is very unnatural but you know they're gaining everything they need from it that's the other thing is it comes across as though this golden triangle you you, you think they must be malicious malif- malicious malicious malignant thank you you think they must <laughs> be malignant but then you kind of they kind of paint them as this this wise core that are protecting the they call I think they call it the, the the orphan the interface was called the orphan right yeah so you think okay so you don't not quite sure what to think of them and then it, they do kind of surprise you with the fact that yeah they just stumbled across this piece of technology used it to their advantage they're really not any smarter than anybody else other than they're getting basically they're using oh, it for, to yeah, their advantage they're That's getting their advantage artists. yeah they're con yeah. artists that have, that have conned this. Uh, it's really sad how it ends and that the orphan actually kind of gives her life in order to save oh don't open that one that's the wrong one i was trying to open the issue number 11 and i opened issue number 10 spoilers um trying to stay away from that one well while, while you switch that out yeah I'll, I'll go one step further that the the idea of the orphan and when the doctor even comments who who you know who named her orphan i mean who was oh that's the only thing she remembers 
And then we get the backstory where it's at this Time Lord weapon called the Orphaned Hour. Yeah. And it's like, oh, score another one for awesome Time War <laughs> names. Yeah. yeah. What Agreed. a great time. And the fact that it, of what it does, that it, it basically anything within a certain radius gets hurled back in time. It's literally an Orphaned Hour. And it's Agreed. like, oh, wow. That's good school. And then like the moment... This is the, the, the interface. This is the mm-hmm. representation of how you would interact with this particular weapon. That's just cool. I, I can't wait until we listen to the uh, War Doctor stories that they've mm-hmm. done with Big Finish. Because there's a lot of great weapons that they end up that he's yeah. basically chasing down that have these same kind of really high-minded concepts that are a lot of fun. So It's so nice revisiting the Omega Arsenal and these little different formats. I, I really like that. Anytime that pops up, it's like, oh, another one. Well, and it, it, it really kind of gives you a, a breadth of discovery of, of how much the Time Lords really had in their arsenal of weapons they could have used well, and this, in some situations tried to use. Yeah, and in this instance, it's so cool that it's taken outside of the Time War to explore the idea. I really like that aspect yep. of it too, is that we're not dipping back into the time right. war. It's a relic is, that has fallen outside yes, of the time a, a remnant of the yeah. time war. And, and, and how much, who, who, who was in charge of the naming department? Because you get the idea that it had to have been the mysterious third that came up with all of these because Rassilon, everything was the Sass of Rassilon, the key of Rassilon, everything had his name in it. <laughs> And Omega, we have the hand of Omega. We've got the, okay, the Omega Arsenal. He, obviously, these two guys are not very inventive on the name front, but whoever the third person was, so depending on who you ask, the doctor, yeah, was either, the, all these names. Either, either the doctor or somebody else was very inventive. The other, with the, uh, the other, the, the the other came up with all these cool names like uh, you know the moment and the, uh, the the orphaned hour and that stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. That was all. That was all. This person that came up with that. I think what it also does is, for the longest time, and and Day of the Doctor kind of did a little bit to say, yes, there was this arsenal of stuff. But when you take the moment and all of the backstory of this, well, they just had this one all-powerful weapon that wiped everything out. The Doctor did push the button, did the moment. And you kind of think, "Ah, that in itself is kind of like a weak convenience. There's just this one thing. But as you add to this arsenal and realize that, you know, the moment is just one piece of this entire stockpile of weapons that the, that the time Lords have, it really kind of makes the moment. I don't want to say more palatable because I was fine with the moment. I thought it was a great idea conceptually, but it really kind of, it narrows it down to a, Hey, there were really a lot of things out there that were being used and could have been used and this was the ultimate weapon. So yeah. I, I think it really kind of helps that along as well. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more stories around certain things. Well, now I'm curious if we'll be able to watch Shada and retcon the book. Oh, yeah. Into maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Could be. Possible. Maybe, maybe that's I mean, out there. He clearly thought that was going to be dangerous, too. So, Although that the book was a key. It wasn't a weapon. It was a key. <laughs> so. But what does it unlock? Well, well, the prison. The prison. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a key. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll find first, a way to make it fit. River can get into that. Prison. Oh, yeah. River. <laughs> oh, yeah. We <laughs> know. Like, she's done it. <laughs> Very good. Overall, um, I... And then we got the return of the scream at the end. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was the other thing that was Which, a, a through line through this is the fact that kind the screen of a through is line, kind of it was well. Like, it starts the, the book the story it, yeah. and it ends the story. It, it felt that that part of the story felt a little tacked on just because it was so much of oh, we got to remind you that he's there well, more than anything else. I think it felt it's, like I think it's very helpful in this case because. I have completely forgotten about him. That's just it. Well, <laughs> I see what you did. There. But I think it works. It works there as a really? reminder because we have done a good number of stories here now without the screen. Yeah. And so I think they had to realize, okay, we need to put that reminder in there, especially since we're going to step away for Lost Dimension within this series. So if you were reading these chronologically, you're going to step away one more book than we're even going to do because we're doing Lost Dimension as one uh, through storyline. And who knows the next couple? I mean, maybe this was a setup to bring us back into this. It screen, probably is. Because I think we're, ha- we're ramping up now so to the I, end of the season. I think that that's the pepper him in so that we can get into the the big finale here. So we'll yeah, have four issues, four issues left. Issues now, left. So. Yeah, so. I didn't realize, speaking of artwork, um, in the, the issue 11, when they get done and the doctor tosses them the book on how to, uh, what is it? Uh, Carbon sequestration for children, a beginner's guide. <laughs> That's going to take care of your atmospheric problems. He pulls the gas mask off. And I didn't really realize it until going back and looking at it. It's very organic. It is. It is very it, it's, organic. it's almost like a jellyfish. And suddenly I find this much more interesting of a planet than I had first given it credit for because the whole point of what they were doing with the Orphaned Hour was kind of resetting the, the, the time and keeping all the technology so that they could have this huge leap forward in this industrial revolution. And for a planet that's all about industry and science and let's move forward as quickly as fast as, fast as possible and take credit for it, that they've got this organic thing that filters things out. This, that suddenly strikes me as very cool. That's a good point. I yeah, didn't that. that's true. I didn't think of that until just now going back and looking at it. That was neither here nor there. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of like, I, I, well, I kind of like um, just the fact that the scream is hanging out on the TARDIS. <laughs> on the outside. He's, just... he's been riding around with them, clinging to the light bulb uh, for however many issues now. Apparently he and Captain Jack can live yes. outside in the... <laughs> yeah. Um, but now he's finally gotten in. Yes. Which is scary. Big cliffhanger, Andy. Very good. All right. Well, Sean, what do we have coming up on the schedule? On the schedule for next week on the podcast, we are reviewing uh, some more comics. This time we're going to go to the 12th Doctor uh, Titan Comics, which are issues one through four, which on the website is incorrect. It says five, but that starts a new line, so we're not going to do that. So one through four. Uh, of Titan Comics, Twelfth Doctor. This is the third season, right? Yep, what, like, what they consider year yep, three. Year three. Uh, we'll be reviewing those, and we will also be reviewing Big Finish number uh, Son of the Dragon ninety nine. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. I just had it up here. One of the nineties. Maybe ninety eight. I think it's ninety nine. Hang on. I think I'll it's ninety nine. It. I think you're right. Momentarily, because I was just thinking, oh, that's really close to hundred. Although we've done hundred art, but yeah, we have done. <laughs> Whatever number it is, it's it's it is son, yes. son of the Dragon. 99. Uh, so we'll be uh, covering that, which is part of the main line. And then uh, our Friday Night Who offering, if you uh, tend to join in with us, is uh, Caves of Androzani. So some Fifth Doctor, and not just some Fifth Doctor actions. Very, very good Fifth Doctor actions. The best. And so says Glenn. The best. 
The end of the fifth. The doctor. end of the fifth doctor. It's funny that the fifth doctor isn't necessarily even my favorite doctor, but my favorite TV story is Caves, and my favorite Big Finish story is uh, <laughs> Spare Parts. That they need to do a comic series. I'll, maybe that'll be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done three, four, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So maybe he's maybe, maybe he's, he's coming. in the pipeline there somewhere. Maybe he's coming. You just need to find a fifth doctor novel that you love to yeah yeah i don't think i've read any fifth doctor novels yet so we'll see can't even think of any that they've released off the top of my head i'm sure there are out there oh yeah there's, oh, some there's of a the, bunch but, but the, i don't well, even own any the so. missing doctors uh or not missing, missing, uh, missing past years. doctor adventures or what are they the called? missing i think the, is the, it the missing years the, or the target doctor? missing adventures i think is what the the ones that ran uh, congruently with, with new, adventures, new adventures, I think is the missing. But new adventures yeah. were all seventh Doctor Ace. New adventures were all seventh Doctor Ace, and uh, the missing adventures would they dip back into they several would past skip doctors. around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm sure there's a. In fact, I think there's one called Goth Opera, which is a sequel to pseudo sequel to uh, State of Decay. It is because the great vampires come back. It's got Nissa. Oh. Yes, yep. I've read that one. I think. Oh, you have. Okay, I think that's on my bookshelf, but I have. Not picked it up yet, so maybe that'll be my favorite. I, don't I think know. I gave it to you then because I think that might be my copy. No. Not that not that I want it back. It's, uh, it when I a, say bookshelf, I mean digital bookshelf. Oh, digital bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I used to own a real copy of it. Oh, I don't know where no, it is. I don't now, have so. a physical copy. Anyway, um, yes, that's on the docket for next week. Excellent. Cool. Well, if you. Uh, would like to and you can uh, please consider supporting us uh, on Patreon become a patron of the podcast uh, you can find a link on our website uh, travelingthevortex.com it'll take you right there and walk you through it and we'd appreciate it. any help anything else we need to touch on this week before we close this show Keith's over there yawning so it's past his bedtime to pass my bedtime <laughs> alright that's going to do it for this week until next week I'm Glenn I'm Sean I'm Keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.